Welcome to the Big Unlock Podcast, your leading source of info for insights and best practices in digital health and digital transformation. Join host Patty Padmanabhan, CEO of Demo Consulting and co-author of Healthcare Digital Transformation, how technology, consumerism, and pandemic are accelerating the future in conversation with leading practitioners of healthcare and technology. Hello again, everyone, and welcome back to this episode of the Big Unlock Podcast. I'm your host, Patty, and my special guest today is Pranay Kapadia, co-founder and CEO of Notable Health. Pranay talks about Notable Health's value proposition in the automation space for enabling easier patient access and for reducing friction in patient access processes. He talks about the trends that are driving digital health investments today. He talks about what clients are looking for and the opportunity landscape for automation in general and for digital health startups in particular. Without any further ado, let's jump into the conversation. And before that, a quick shout out to our sponsors and partners. Be well. I'm thrilled to be here with Pranay Kapadia, who is the co-founder and CEO of Notable Health. Pranay, thank you so much for setting aside the time and welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for having me. So let's start with a little bit about your background and uh, the company, Notable Health. How do you get to start the company? What does the company do? Give us a little bit of background for the benefit of our listeners. Sure. In Notable Health, we're building the intelligent automation platform for healthcare, one that fundamentally seeks to transform how patients access care and how health systems get paid for providing that care. Um, you know, Very early on, when we studied healthcare, what we actually found was from the time that a patient, a mere mortal like myself, actually seeks care to the time that that care is billed, it takes anywhere between 22 to 35 sets of hands that are touching data in some which way. It's old, it's archaic, it's manual. And it turns out EHRs digitize the health record. They didn't actually digitize the workflow around it all. And so we fundamentally notable believe that Workflow automation is going to be just as important over the next five to 10 years as EHRs have been over the last 30 years. And so that's what Notable does. And a big part of the thesis was actually bringing our experience from our scars and skills and priors from FinTech, where I spent 15 years transforming what it looks like to actually do your taxes, what it looks like to use Mint and Quicken on the personal finance side, the check scanning capabilities that you may have used way back when, all the way to powering a large, large, large portion of this country's mortgages and transforming that to be a seven-minute experience in the palm of your hand. So we're bringing a lot of that experience into healthcare, and it's just been an incredible five and a half years of growth for us. Yeah, automation is very much a hot topic today. And it's interesting, too, that you bring some of your experiences and best practices from other sectors that are a little bit further ahead in terms of overall consumer experiences, notably fintech. And so I'd be interested to know, for for the benefit of listeners, could you share a little bit of your perspective on where you see automation gaining the most traction? Where are health systems looking to deploy it the most today? And maybe use one of your own client examples, if you will, to illustrate the point. Yeah, Patty, that's, that, that is a great question. And actually, you know, an insight that we've had in working with health systems across the industry is kind of like with AI, automation is another one of those buzzwords and people want to embrace it. 
and have no idea how to or where to start. And we've seen health systems that have created centers of excellence and people that are trying to figure out what use cases to actually support. But what we found is it kind of falls into one of three camps. There's a camp where it is, I want to build it all internally and hope that I can learn from others. What they tend to actually avoid or ignore is the total cost of ownership and how do you actually maintain a lot of that. There's a second that is around how do I automate the mundane to reduce costs? And it usually turns out to be a garbage in, garbage out. I'm starting on the back end. It's low value, easy to automate maybe, but it probably shouldn't be needed in the future with where the puck is going. And then there's a third, which is strategically looking at what are the market trends? How do we use automation for growth? And truth be told, most systems aren't actually thinking about it that way. They're very much thinking about it as a cost-cutting endeavor and not about how do we actually tackle a change in how patients are actually engaging with our health system. Nobody wants to call anymore. We fundamentally believe we want to eliminate the call center from the U.S. healthcare system. And it has to happen. It's inevitable. And maybe there'll be one, two, three percent of phone calls, but you don't need the vast majority that exists today. The second part of the growth story is how do you actually start on the access side? Because so much of healthcare data and workflow starts with who is the patient? Why are they coming in? Who's going to pay for this? With that in mind, what we've seen is by thinking through that strategy with our partners across different EHRs, it could be Epic, it could be Cerner, it could be Athena, what have you, but really looking at what does the patient flow look like? How do you engage with the right patient at the right time? How do you collect their insurance information in a delightful way, just like we've been used to doing in other industries? And what we've seen with starting on the front end, with starting with the access side, is if you do that right, you can engage 80, 85, 90% of your patients in a digital manner, which is what upstarts around are trying to do. There's no new health tech startup that provides care that starts with a call center. And yet that's how healthcare does it. And so for us, the places to educate our health system partners and partner with them truly is on how do you start on the front end? And we tend to actually partner with operations, web cycle, population health leaders on how do you digitize your patient experience for delight for them, but also for that for your staff. And so you know, examples that I, I could share with our partners you know, be it a large health system in Utah or, or one in Austin or here in California, it's we're actually seeing upwards of 80% of patients engaging with health systems digitally. We get feedback from health system staff where their workload is actually reduced by 50% on the Monday on things that they didn't have to do outbound phone calls to collect registration data on to collect clinical information from patients on or have themselves schedule or reschedule. And most importantly, we actually see just elimination of back-end workflows. What if you had no follow-up queue? What if you didn't have a slew of calls that needed to be made to reschedule a patient? All of that starts to get eliminated when you start out on the front end. And so we see our role today in healthcare is actually to help educate. And so one of the things that you know, we've done is codify all of this into something new that we've actually rolled out with our partners, and we call it the Notable Health Check. And I'm like really excited about this because what it allows us to do is understand and assess where our partners are on their digitization journey, understand what their tools look like, what their landscape looks like, 
and make recommendations of where they would actually get value if they thought about automation the right way, if they thought about digitizing the patient experience and not just randomness like robotic process automation. Well, it's an interesting comment you made at the very end, uh, robotic process automation. Typically when people say automation, of course, all technology is about automation at some level. But the specific connotation of RPA uh, is that it automates uh, tasks, workflows in ways that essentially replace a human worker with a digital worker. And uh, RPA is a, is a kind of a subcategory within the automation landscape as well. So just to get this out of the way, do you consider yourself an RPA company or how do you, what space do you fall in when you look at the landscape of automation technologies at large? Yeah, no, that's a great question. We actually think RPA is fairly brittle and we don't consider ourselves an RPA company. We use a lot of different capabilities to integrate. And it turns out in certain cases, using APIs are great. If I can actually access clinical data using APIs with Fire or App Orchard or what Cerner has with their code program or et cetera, we want to utilize all of those and we do. We augment that with machine vision capabilities to actually integrate where there aren't APIs. And we also use a variety of other mechanisms to actually integrate. Because what we found is what's critical in healthcare, and you know, funnily, very early on, we learned that the road to purgatory in health tech is driven by integration. It takes too long to deploy something to know if it is of value or not. And from the time that you actually can get that feedback loop closed, there's a reorg that's happened, there's a change in priority, and more importantly, just the market has moved on. And so what we found is it's important to marry, when we talk about automation, it's actually marrying a beautiful patient experience that is EDA compliant in any language that works on any device for any human on the planet. We spend a significant amount of time on design and how to think about that. You know, I like to say anyone that says the elderly cannot use technology has not seen the 60, 70, 80% conversion rates that we actually see in the 65 plus cohort at Notable. But that's because you sweat the details on who's engaging, when they engage and how to engage with them. And you marry that with the best workflow integration. It's not just swivel share RPA. It's actually rethinking the workflow in how you collect better data from patients to power clinical and administrative workflow. That's the industry that we are in. We're not in just the RPA. If anything, that will be commoditized and useless. Let's take a quick break. And I'd like to acknowledge our partners and sponsors, Be Well. And if you like this podcast, rate us on whatever favorite podcast platform you're listening on. And if you're interested in listening to the archives, visit us at thebigunlock.com. With that, back to the conversation. You mentioned patient access as the focus area, and clearly there's a lot of headroom there for improvement, uh, you know, the broken experience of the contact center, the seamlessness of you know digital versus the in-person versus the uh, contact center kind of experience. At the same time, there is a lot of investment going into really optimizing between different access channels and using a multimodal approach, if you will, is not just one, but it's multiple ways in which your different cohorts of patients are going to come in. You know, you talked about the over 65s. They may have a slightly different behavior pattern than a different demographic profile. 
and they all need to be accommodated within the context of healthcare, right? So there are different ways health systems are going about it today. They have a number of choices when it comes to their technology options for enabling the kind of experience that they're looking to build for their patients and their providers. So what do you see as the competitive landscape that you sit in when you look at your peers in the, let's say, the startup ecosystem versus the traditional EHR companies versus the enterprise class companies that are non-EHR but have a powerful enterprise class workflow platform, CRM, as an example, since you talked about access and contact centers. So you talk about what you, what you see as the competitive landscape. Yeah, it's a great question. And I would say healthcare is a really noisy landscape of every industry that I've been in. There's a point solution for absolutely everything. And the reality is, it turns out nobody wants point solutions. They're already, you, they've got so many in the in their ecosystem that they're trying to like make work together. And, the, and patients see that. Staff see that at the seams because they don't interoperate. They aren't as seamless as we'd want it to be. I think for us, there's there's two parts that I like to think about. One is in how do we set the bar with our partners in digitizing every experience? So the way that we actually go about it on the access side is running our health check process to understand how many patients are digital today? What does your website look like? How are patients calling? What does the call center volume look like? How many payments are being collected? How many denials are occurring on the back end? And by collecting that information, we're able to, Patty, share a very strategic solution that isn't like, how do I bolt on here, bolt on there, but really one that's focused on outcomes for our partners. And often that leads to sunsetting a lot of the point solutions. So like you don't need an appointment reminder vendor if you also use Notable. You don't need a a denials dashboard because we actually provide that capability. But we start with the outcome and then align strategically with our partners to actually set that up. Now, there are certain systems of record. It could be the EHR vendor. It could be the CRM or others that you actually want deep integration with the power workflow or to collect data from because those are the single source of truth. And those are the ones that we actually embed ourselves in deeply with. So working with the EHRs or working with the CRM vendors in many different ways, because if you approach a health system with this is the only way to deploy, it's not going to work. But often they don't even know how to deploy something to get to success. So I'll give you one example. With part of our health check assessment, we actually looked at this with a partner of ours in Kansas on their scheduling. And what we found was about 12% of their website traffic was coming from Google and then just bouncing because they couldn't find how to schedule. 55% of their phone call volume was actually tied to scheduling, of which 35 was inbound and then 20 or so was outbound because they had about 10 to 12% of their orders at any given point in time that were unfulfilled. And so they're trying to like follow up with patients to try to get them back in. Now, once you have that data, you have strategies on how to deploy software and a platform that can actually tackle those. And so we actually gave them personalized links that they could embed onto their website for self-scheduling that integrates deeply with Google. We set up ways to actually engage with patients automatically based on their prior visits. So when they're actually leaving a clinic, we're monitoring to see what orders were placed in, checking to see if the patient has something scheduled in the future, texting them and having them self-schedule within a certain window that is required. It's what the call center agent would do 
But all of that is actually built on our no-code platform where you don't need to write code for any of this. This is all point and click to set up that end-to-end patient journey. And what we saw was tens of thousands of phone calls actually being avoided. You don't want to actually create a faster call center if you can read this completely avoid the call. Yeah. We actually saw a patient satisfaction score of 98 and up to 40% of all of this health systems, all of their appointments were actually being scheduled in a digital first way that was up from 5%. I share that because they could actually angle in 16 different point solutions, if you may, trying to pull that all together and a CRM and a EHR. And to us, all of those are tools in bringing these solutions to life, but you really have to think about how can you do this end-to-end and then iterate really quickly? So the time to actually deploying that, Taddy, was the key part. We deployed that in six weeks. Yeah. That allows us to learn and iterate because otherwise, if you don't have that kind of speed, it's an 18-month journey to get your first piece of data and then it's not worth it. Yeah, and I think you made a really interesting comment earlier on which where you said you can't have 5,000 point solutions, which is actually what the marketplace is today. Everything that we see from our work with our clients seems to point to uh, consolidation of the technology solutions estate uh, within health systems. And so the days of a single point solution, no matter how good it is, uh, may be numbered, but uh, certainly there is a move towards solutions that perform three or four or five different things. So you can reduce the overhead, you know, create a little bit more integration internally and so on and so forth. At the same time, let me ask you, purely from a strategic standpoint, You see a number of uh, new initiatives being launched by the big uh, technology vendors in the space. I I point to one example, which is Epic's launch of the Cheers CRM platform. So they are in the CRM space. You have the big technology firms. They're also building out their capabilities. So everyone's kind of jostling for space within the access world. How are you seeing your clients do the trade-offs when they have to work with a choice between a truly innovative solution, such as, let's say, from a company like yours, versus one that may not be best in class, but it's easier to deploy, easier to integrate, easier to work with, and lower overheads. Yeah, I would challenge that belief. But one fascinating point about healthcare, and every vertical has its system of record. I think healthcare is the only vertical where the system of record is actually, in certain cases, dictating what you can and can't do. And I think that's kind of flawed in how people actually are thinking about running their health system. I would challenge the assumption that it might be easier or cheaper to actually deploy, because what we've seen is the only path to true success is iteration. And when we actually partner, you know, part of that health check process that we go through is we're actually assessing to see how well does your organization adopt agile? Do you know what a product owner is? Are we going to get stuck in in committees before we can actually make decisions? Because if that is the case, you might have all the willpower in the world. You don't have the ability yet. And we need to actually help you understand what iteration looks like and what does a two-week deploy look like? There was a CIO recently that asked me, what does your release cadence look like? And it was 11 a.m. in the morning and I just went on Slack. We have a channel called Dev, Dev Deploys. And I'm like counting quietly. And the response was, well, it's 11 a.m. We've done 56 deploys this morning. And that's just how we work. And he's like, oh, you do no downtime deploys. I was like, yes, that's how you actually build a true technology iterative cycle such that you can actually learn through this. And so the reason that I share those stories is 
I actually, when we share, when we sit down with CIOs, when we sit down with technology leaders, we try to decipher, are you a technology leader that wants to play it safe and do the least amount of change possible because that's actually how you see yourself succeeding? That's okay. I would rather know that upfront and not waste each other's time. Or are you the technology leader that aligns with the business to drive change? And we tend to work best with the latter, not the former. And then with the latter, we tend to actually set the bar on how can you actually reduce the total cost of ownership? How can you actually set up? Because we always think about it as the EHR should exist. It is the system of record. It will always be there. The system of automation that actually sits on top of that, that transforms patient to payer or booking to bill, that's who we are. That's the role that we play. And then there's a number of different workflows, everything from outbound scheduling to prior auth, checking a prior auth status and texting the patient on their status or having them reschedule. Those are all intertwined flows. They should not be point solutions across the board. And I think when you start to think about it that way, you get a lower total cost of ownership and higher value much faster than when the legacy systems might actually try to mimic what it is we're doing. Fun fact, there may or may not be a legacy system that is a monthly meeting on trying to copy notable features, which we love because we're actually helping move the industry forward. And that's the role that we have to play. Yeah, I think you you draw out a very important distinction between the mindsets of taking your existing infrastructure and your core application platforms and then trying to do as much as you can with digital. The, The other side of that story is that now there is an emergence of a mindset around treating digital health as a product management function, which I think is good news for companies like you, because those are the folks that are going to look at look at it de novo, if you will, or look at it from a product management perspective and go, okay, how do you create value for the end customer? And then how do you back into what you need to do in order to build it out? But of course, it also comes with very high bars around showing the money, you know, at the end of the day. And those who can are going to make it. Can I just add to that with an anecdote and example? You know, we've actually seen partners start out wanting to build themselves and then very quickly realize that they're not an R&D shop and they won't have the resources. There's like, you know, one master that you can have, but we still, we have to share and educate is sometimes we tend to think that everything is a form and it's, a, it's just a text message and it's just a drop down and patients can do X, Y, Z. And I have the tools to do that. But where we actually lack is in, is in that product function of thinking through deeply, how do you productize intelligence at scale? And with the world that we're in, the example that I share is we started early on with just scanning insurance cards. And what we found was, A, we could actually do it at 95, 97% accuracy versus a human that will transpose zeros and ones. But the bigger challenge actually came in matching it to a payer plan such that denial on the back end doesn't happen. And two years ago, when we first started to look at this, health systems would come to us and say, hey, here's the rule. And we looked for this PO box number. And then we kind of like contort our bodies and do the rain dance. And hopefully we'll pick the right payer plan. And to productize that at scale, we determined that it was not something that we should just ask every customer, but we actually need to think about how do we instrument the platform to learn from what their staff is doing and automatically create a feedback loop that can actually scale such that we can reduce and eliminate their eligibility-based denials on the back end. And so Those are some of the places where productizing AI and productizing automation is hard. And it isn't just like the swivel chair RPA or my portal can do this. Aren't we great? 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, sort of fascinating stuff. We are coming up to the end of our time here. I do want to touch on one other topic. You're in the middle of the entire startup ecosystem. You've raised a lot of funding for your company. We are going through a somewhat uncertain time when it comes to digital health funding at large, right? Love to hear your thoughts on what it means for uh, digital health companies. And we have literally thousands of companies. We touched on some of that earlier in the conversation, but what should they be looking at? What's your advice? And what are you, how are you preparing your own company to kind of work through this, this next 12 months or so? Or maybe longer. Yeah, no, we talk about this as a team. Our focus is on building a company that outlives us. There's so much to be done in an industry that has been severely underserved and really building something that we are proud of. On the external side, the cost of capital is changing and that just pushes for sustainable growth in a reliable fashion. And so internally, our focus is always the same. Uh, We're fortunate enough where People ask me about runway and, and, and things of that sort. And we are not cash strapped in any which way in terms of given the revenue that we're making and, and the growth that we see, the tailwinds that we have with the industry needing what we provide. But our focus is just maniacally on what does that patient feedback look like? Every patient that actually uses Notable Interface, their feedback streams in a Slack for the entire company to see. That drives us when you see somebody that gives you positive feedback and says, I'm a blind man that did this using voiceover. That's compelling. That's reason to exist. And then on the flip side, when you actually see our class report with 100% of our customers would recommend us, not to say every deploy is swimmingly smooth. No enterprise deploy is is 100% smooth, but you can go in with, here are the scars. Here's what we've learned. Talk to any one of these customers and they would still recommend working with us. At the end of the day, that's where value is created. And so for us, that is our focus. And for you know anyone listening to this and building a business in healthcare, you got to focus on your customers. At the end of the day, I think that drives you. And, and that is our maniacal focus across the board. Yeah, very well said, very well said. Well, uh, Pranay, we're going to have to leave it there for today. But uh, it's a fascinating story. I think you're on to uh, some real opportunity here. And uh, we'll be... You know, we'll be watching and cheering from the sidelines for your success and all the very best to you and your team. Patty, thanks so much. It was great chatting with you today. Thank you, Pranay. Once again, I'd like to thank our partners, Bewell, for their sponsorship and their support. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. We invite you to subscribe to our weekly newsletter, The Healthcare Digital Transformation Leader. Write to us at info at with your feedback and questions. 